Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today is part two of my second interview with Jim Britz. And I need to warn you, there's a little bit of overlap here. So if you heard it before, you probably heard it a week ago. And don't worry about it. It's just my way of getting him into the discussion that we had that followed. So find the people that have, I like to call it healthy, holy discontent. They've not given up on the church, but they also go, there's something not right. And I want to be a part of that. So grab those. And then I would say I've been on the much slower process with the rest of my church of, uh, of sharing stories with them and helping them uh, see that, hey, I think God's called us to more. And that's come to a head. We're actually in the middle of it right now. Um, there's a six-week training that we, that we use, and we're taking our whole church through this. Um, I, I wanted to, the first moment I went through it two and a half years ago, to take everybody through it. And every mentor I had said, don't do that. That's a horrible mistake. But we are in the process of hopefully January, not having a Sunday morning and a Sunday night, but instead uh, we're going to have multiple of these kind of, we call them Gen Zeros or they're like disciple making communities that are meeting together. And we have some shared worship, a little bit of teaching slash more like kind of training, think of Paul Tyrannus, and then, and then really discovery based groups that are groups of people that have said, hey, we're committed to making disciples and, and doing this together. Um, so, and I would just say, Hey, it's not been clean. There's been people that have left along the way because they don't like it. Um, there's been people that have left this week, um, because they don't like the journey that we're on. Uh, and I just look in scripture and I'm encouraged that, uh, Jesus didn't do everything he possibly could to get every single person to come. Um, he, uh, he loved people. He didn't want people to leave, but at the same time, his bar was pretty high. Yeah. And so we're lovingly calling people to a higher bar and they can get there at different paces, yeah. but this is where we're going. And, um, and it, we, I've said this up front a bunch of times that it is not going to be okay for us to say, Hey, I'm a Christian that really doesn't have interest or, or any fruit when it comes to making disciples. Yeah. We're, we're going to be, a, we're going to be a church that, that everybody figures out how God's created them to do it. And, um, and we're, and we're trying to set them up to succeed and living that out. And, um, and if you're excited about that, man, this is the place to be. If you're scared about it, pray, but this is the place, you know, but, but for some, it's, it, that's, that's not what they're choosing. And that's really hard. So I would just say for the person who's thinking about this journey, it, it's a hard journey and I'm, I'm living in it. I have another one of those conversations today. And, and I would say go slow. Yeah. Yes. You, you have to dangle it out there. And in my, my approach to change always is, you know, I'll drop a few hints about what's going on in my life and what I'm experiencing. And then I start looking for those early adopters that, you know, that I, I would always, in a traditional church setting, stand, hang out at the back door. You know, I, we were doing, um, we did seven services a weekend, but, you know, all, we were all preaching from the same passage, whatever. But two of them were, one was a junior high church and one was a high school church. And so five, I was involved with in and out of five services. I would sit in the in the, the singing time, which I'm not sure I call worship anymore. I think worship is what we're talking about, Romans 12. But I would I would be in there singing and praising the Lord one service each weekend. The rest of the time I'm hanging out at the back door, mostly so I can hear the responses of the congregation to whatever it is we're talking about where we're going as, as a church and you know to us it was move with the movers 
and and you can go very quickly with those people but then you got to be patient with the rest and you got to be willing to offend some people in fact sometimes you got to be willing to be the guy who says you know what what you're telling me is you don't really fit in our church and um i can help you find another one i i i love you but um you know this is this isn't your team um i i had a friend for a little while the church i used to pastor in hermosa beach california when the when the raiders weren't the las vegas or the oakland raiders they were the la raiders a bunch of them were going to that church and um my friend uh, who pastors there, a guy named Zach Nazarian, he, he had a fire a guy. And it, it, it was the rise of the, of the vineyard churches, which are a wonderful thing. But they weren't Hope Chapel. They were doing something different than we were doing. And this guy was on the, 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 the leadership team of the church. And he kept trying to force vineyard DNA on a, on a Hope Chapel church. And it wasn't working. And when, he, when the guy let him go, he goes, you know, I love you, man. But you know, you just ain't a raider, you know, and, and, and it, it's, you're, you're not one of us. And, and so yeah. that's okay, I think. And yeah. but people yeah. got to be willing to swallow hard and, and let that one happen. Um, another issue that comes to mind and you, you, by the neighborhood, you know, the walking prayer walking in the neighborhood, you're, you're addressing this, but I want to hear you talk a little more overtly i kind of made up a, 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 a an acronym pips um the poor the immigrants the prisoners and the students so the poor you know jesus said you have with you always immigrants legal and illegal um there are different things that they need the, the poor uh, often need a contact network they need somebody who can help them work the system. They're, they're poor because they don't know how to, some of them don't know how to do banking and, or they need help finding a job. Immigrants, pretty much the same thing. Uh, they're wide open for a support net uh, of just friends because they're new and they, you know, they, they need that built. I live in an immigrant community from Iraq and uh, very interesting, the friendships that we're, we're making. Uh, when I think of uh, prisoners, guys coming out of prison, uh, we're doing, you know, in Hawaii, we've got three micro churches going with just people coming out of jail. Uh, one of my friends in the Midwest is um, doing heavy duty disciple making. They're doing almost exactly what you're doing, but they're focusing because the pastor had been in prison before. They're focusing on people coming out of prison. One of the things that they need is jobs. You know, you if you have a felony on your record, most companies won't hire you. So they're training people how to start businesses along with how to, you know, um, disciple people into Christ. And then when I think of students, um, I just got off a, a Zoom call. I do this coaching thing. And uh, part of it is a monthly Zoom call. And there's a, a Korean lady that I met. And she's an immigrant herself. But for years, she has cook Sunday afternoon meals for uh, foreign students in America. And it's been a discipleship hotbed. Um, I have another friend. And the, the interesting thing with her is she herself uh, came here as, a, as an immigrant student many, many years ago. I have a friend in England who is a Caucasian woman 
and she her her ministry includes northern africa includes china uh she's, she's got people from all over the world uh in her house there's like three refrigerators and two stoves she's cooking so much food and massive you know tables took over the living room or something it's just crazy but these are these are people who are different from most of us you know mo most people who are listening to this are middle class and maybe asian or african-american but we're middle class people and we kind of have a what i'm calling a, a homogeneity problem we, we we reach people who look like us and you know when when i hear you talking about you're going into your contact list in your phone that's probably people who look more like you yeah. uh socioeconomically but when you're going into different neighborhoods now you're getting out of that space you're a missionary to that culture feedback on that a little bit yeah i love your your pips acronym i uh i've heard it at pipsy and it's uh the poor the international it's an immigrant the prisoner and then the s is the sick um and it comes out of matthew and then the y is just to make it an adjective or you could say youth but uh um but it, and it comes out of matthew 25 where jesus says what you've done for the least of these you've done for me and it, those are the exact groups that he he talks about right the foreigner and uh, i was sick or i was naked i was hungry and and so uh um i love that so yeah we we intentionally say we want to go into pipsy places uh places where uh, people are, are are even more open to the gospel and so we picked a neighborhood that's not too far from us, but it's definitely uh, a lower socioeconomic area. Um, and we found it's about two thirds Hispanic. So I'm on day 194 of Duolingo lessons. I've got a streak going. And uh, um, I, I'm like, if I'm gonna be a missionary in this area, I, my Spanish has gotta get better. So uh, I practice it every day. I've got actually my kids doing that as well. And I've got now lots of friends in that neighborhood that when I go walking around, they'll, they'll come walk with me. And we only talk in Spanish. Really? So I think that's huge. That, yeah. uh, and one of the things they found of all the movements around the world, they've all come out of the poor. Um, they, they don't always, they don't stay with the poor, but they always start with the poor. Yeah. Um, and I always used to think, okay, if I want to reach a city, you got to go find the leaders of that city yeah. and influencers and go from there. And that's just not what hap what's happening when you see movements around the world. It's, it starts with the porn and goes from there. So I would encourage you also, yeah, you can prayer walk in your own neighborhood and that, that's good. I'll do that. But, but also, hey, God, where might you want me to be? And so we started with asking police officers in our city, where's the most dangerous, uh, most difficult area in our city? And we got the same answer from several. And so we started going there. And, wow. uh, and that's where we started um, getting really great, great stories. Of, uh, of meeting people who, uh, yeah. And so, and we found, so we need people to learn Spanish and we just need Spanish speakers on our team. And, you know, the, the, the harvest, the workers come from the harvest. Yeah. So we found actually a bunch of our people that are working and, and doing ministry in the neighborhood now are ones that we met there. Yeah. And either they were Christians and I just had no idea of like, wow, God could use me to reach this neighborhood. Or we started discipling them. They came to Christ and now they've joined the team. Man, we've been blown away by that. Um, uh, so it's great. And picking an area and going there for a while. So we've got some teams that this it's called loose Duran park, lasting light. And, uh, and I'm out there at least once or usually twice a week for an hour or two, uh, with some people that I'm discipling, um, just to go meet people or to follow up with meetings of, you know, with the people that we've, uh, started discipling there.
So yeah, for sure, you want to get out of your, and, and I would just say this, not for every people. Some people just starting out, make disciples. And so yeah. start with your contact list, your neighbors. Yeah. I don't want to freak people out. Yeah. But, uh, but for sure, if you're going, you're eating this up, this is what I want to do. Uh, man, that sure changed, changed my life and meeting people and being in people's homes that I never would have been in before. Yeah, that's been great. Yeah, you know, COVID has been a frustration in that it's hard to do to meet people's homes or to invite people into my home. And, um, you know, we were all revved up. We're, I, I, I've been working a little bit with my neighbors and um, Iraqis mostly. Uh, one guy is, is an African-American pastor and just two doors down, Vietnamese people. And just a, a lovely neighborhood, lovely mix. You know, coming from Honolulu, you you know you you get into all white communities, and it's like I don't fit here anymore. And so I, I where I live now, there's there's Syrians, there's Iraqis. It turns out the Syrians don't like the Iraqis, but they like me, and uh, and the Iraqis like me. So I can you know I can be a bridge. But um, you know, to the 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 business of learning another language as you're talking about that, I, I'm thinking, my gosh, that's, that's intimidating to some people, but I've been, um, I've been studying Italian because my wife and I had a vacation in Italy. We loved it. Uh, one, one guy we work with in Europe is beginning to work in Italy a little bit. We're going to vacation again in Italy. And I thought, I really want to learn Spanish because there's, there's so much, so many Spanish speaking people, the Iraqis, they all speak English. It, it wouldn't really do me any good. But I, I remember in college, I took a non-credit one hour, one semester course on Saturday mornings in beginning Spanish. And I was surprised in a very short time, I, I learned enough Spanish, not enough that I could hold a conversation, but that we were doing ministry in Mexico as a youth pastor, we'd go. And for one thing, to go back to the same community is important because you begin to build friendships. These people, almost all of them speak a little bit of English or they're trying to. So with your, your Spanglish, uh, you're able to communicate, you know, you're, but, but to just learn a few phrases even helps people know that you actually do care. And I was in Mongolia one time, my first trip to Mongolia with a, a Japanese guy. He's a really funny guy, kind of crazy guy. And as we're driving in from the airport, he asked um, six phrases, like, how do I say hello? How do I say goodbye? How do I say thank you? How do I say, what is your name? Um, how, how do I say, I, I, I'm, I'm really stupid and don't speak very good Mongolian. It, it, it was kind of goofy things. And he wrote them down and phonetically, you know, he didn't write Cyrillic. But we're together for like 10 days. I couldn't believe you're very gregarious and I'm kind of shy. If I don't know you, I, you know, this, the kind of things we're talking about here are really hard for me. Um, if, if, if I get introduced to somebody, I'll talk their face off. But if I'm to, to go out and, and prayer walk the way you're prayer walking, that's a scary thing for me. And I overcome that fear occasionally. Uh, but I wish I'd was a little bit more like you. Um, but this guy that I was with in Mongolia, man, he just, everywhere we'd go, 
uh, there, you know, there, there were people, there were white Russian people who hated capitalists and hated outsiders. And he's making friends with those people. It was just insane. But this language thing that, that you, you brought up, I think is, a. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I, again, I'm trying to be aware of the audience who might go, oh my gosh, I can't learn another language. It's too hard. I'm too old, whatever. Does a little bit of it help? Yeah, and I, I you know, and there's so many cool, uh, you know, kind of tutors out there. I use one called Duolingo. I pay $6 a month and, uh, and I spend 10 to 15 minutes a day on my phone. Usually it's, I'm at a meeting early, you know, or my kids are doing it. We're just sitting next to each other. We're all doing our own lessons. It's fun. I mean, so it's, it's, it's not like I'm taking classes at the junior college. And I had to fit that into my life. Um, I'm at my kids soccer practice and I'll sit there and I'm going to get in a lesson right now. Um, and so, so yeah. And I, you know, and if, if someone went to a um, mission field and they said, they're going to be there and they really want to see God do great things. And that place spoke a different language. I think we would go, well, you better learn the language. And if I'm in an area where at least one out of two conversations I have with people starts with them answering in Spanish, <laughs> I'm like, I better get this down. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, if, if, if I believe God's called me here, then this is a no brainer. I need to get better at it. So there's like, I think four or five of us right now, my friends that we're all, uh, we've got these streaks going of, of doing lessons every day and getting better at it. Oh, that's cool. And, and definitely has opened us up to new, new people never would have met before. That's really cool. Talk to us a little bit um, about the, the you're, you're moving toward a bivocational approach to life and you're doing it intentionally. It's not, it's not like you're forced or anything. Uh, tell us your reasons why you're doing that and then how's it going? And then mention yeah, the screenplay. I, okay, yeah. So I, uh, um, no, I've, the, the plan is actually this January that I'm going to um, get paid a thousand dollars a month by our church. So there's a little skin in the game. Uh, I'm still the lead pastor. Um, but, uh, but I, part of it is I want to model for people in our church that this disciple making thing is not for full-time paid pastors. This is for everybody and just to empower them that they can do this. Um, that, that's part of it. Part of it is and one of the things in the training I've gone through, uh, and I, and I'm, I've been a full-time pastor for the last, you know, 22 years, but one of the truths they say from it is they found that, that full-time paid ministry leaders kill movements. That's interesting to me. So I, uh, um, I'm going, I, I'd rather not, not be that. Um, and I've, I found for the first time in my life, actually, so it's January, my salary goes way down. I am trusting God uh, on a level that I've not trusted him before. And I, don't, I think since high school, I've not had a job set up where I didn't know where my money's going to come from. Um, and so it has been a faith journey. For me, it's exciting. Of like, how's God going to provide? For my wife, it's her figuring out how we're going to live off less. <laughs> so there's probably both are important. Um, but it's been really good for my relationship with God, too. And with that, so I've uh, started a, uh, um, a real estate investing business with a friend in my church. And, um, and that's like eight to 10 hours a week max. And I got it from another guy who's same sort of thing in ministry. And, um, it's, it's awesome. It was made for guys that want to, I think, be tent makers. And so 
Uh, I get to meet people constantly that want to sell their home at a discounted rate, which means there's something going on in their life that's not good and they need money quickly. Those are the very people that need Jesus, right? And have issues in their life. So I, uh, it doesn't even feel like, well, I've got my real estate job and I've got ministry. It's I'm praying for people constantly sharing on the uh, stories on the phone with people, getting to, getting to meet with them through that as well. It's been really neat. And uh, it's not completely replaced my income yet. So that's a big prayer request for our family, but it's getting there. And I think it will be uh, really soon. So but then talk, the cool story you're alluding to is. Well, before um, you get into that other one, yeah. talk, talk a little bit, just so people get an idea. You're not a realtor. Yeah. Uh, what, give, kind of just lay out the business plan because there's somebody out there that's going to go, I could do that. Uh, yeah. And I'd love to help you uh, do it. So uh, the business is called wholesaling. I'd never heard of it before I started doing it. Um, but it's simply, we call or text a, uh, a bunch of people um, through, we have like a, a texting service that can text a lot of people or, or can, you know, cold call a lot of people. And, uh, and we will pick lists of people who have foreclosed homes or their absentee owners. And you've probably all gotten a call or a text or something in the mail like this before. That, that's us. And, um, and send out saying, hey, have you interest in selling your house? And in texting, they just start you can send 100 texts in a minute and uh, people start sending them back and you get in conversations with people. And bottom line is we're going to buy the house for a certain price and we're going to have a purchase agreement for that price. And then we have connected with hundreds of other buyers in the San Diego area that we immediately then have this house under contract. We show it to them and, uh, and we, give them, we give them a new price and it's higher than the one that we bought it for. And they have to be able to close really quickly and, um, and, but they're all cash buyers, so they can. And so we actually never invest any money in buying the house and we get the difference. Uh, and so we just were the, the middle person of connecting the two. And, um, and actually the people that we buy houses from are really, really grateful because we've helped them in a difficult situation where they were stuck oftentimes in a home that's in really bad shape and come alongside them and get to share Bible stories with them and, and help them move on. Uh, and, um, and so, yeah, so anyways, and there's deals where we'll make a couple thousand. We had a deal, show this with a lot of people. We had a deal recently where we made $90,000 on one deal. I mean, so it's, so it's unbelievable opportunities. So you're finding you're, you're, you're not, you're not a, a licensed broker. You didn't have to go to school for that. I, I, actually, I couldn't be one. I couldn't be a realtor and do this. Yeah. That, that would stop me, but it's totally hundred percent legal. Yeah. I'm an, I'm an investor. And, but instead of investing my money, I'm actually, I'll be the buyer, but then I'm going to assign the contract yeah. to the end buyer. And I'm the well, connection between the two. And I get so the, the words assign the contract are really important, yeah. but you're, you're really just a, a, you're a middle person. Uh, it, you're introducing a seller to a buyer and you're getting a, fee, a finder's fee in a sense. Uh, in a sense, that's what's happening, but I'm really... To the, to the original seller, I am the buyer. Yeah. It'll be me that's on the yeah. name of the check and I need to be a buyer. I can't be a broker, yeah. so I'm a buyer. But um, through that process, yeah, we're then connecting other people to be the end buyer. When I was, and, and someone would want to go through training and I could connect them. Tentmakingpastors.com is a great one. My friend actually leads people on how to do this. Oh, that's very good. Very good. Tentmakingpastors.com. Yeah. Okay, we will pass that on. So now tell us a little bit about the screenplay. This is really interesting. I think this is a God deal. Yeah, well, so yeah, I just, when, when you take steps of faith, God just shows up all over the place. So this is one of lots of stories, but 
10 days after uh, telling our board, hey, we're, I'm pretty much coming off payroll. Um, I, I was a screenwriter major in college and we got to write a movie years ago that Sony picked up. And if you're a youth pastor from the past, you heard of To Save a Life, I got to write that and produce it. And, um, and so we wrote another script after that. And the last version of it was 2013. I thought Sony was gonna buy it and they pulled out last second. And so we've kind of just had this script sitting around for eight years. And long story short, 10 days after this meeting, uh, I person got connected to the script, read it, loved it, cried through the whole thing. And, um, and we just signed a contract that uh, the movie's gonna get made in 2022. And we'll make more as the writers of that the script than we would have made at the church. Uh, and just showing that God can just do whatever the heck he wants. And he can take stuff that, I mean, we had already died to the movie being made. It's about empowering teenagers to use prom as a fundraiser to take orphans off the street in Haiti. So we really want, we want to see movement happen there as well. But God's like, I can, I can bring stuff to life and take care of you. And so, uh, so yeah, we're, we're pretty excited about that as well. That's exciting. That is really, really good. Well, I just want to say thanks for doing the, the podcast. And uh, I always like to end this by asking, are you willing to have people contact you if they're, if they're interested in more information? And how can they? Yeah, more interested, I would love to. I, I've had people that have come alongside me and helped me in my journey. And Ralph, you've sure done that. Uh, I love getting to help people with that as well. Um, and I'll do more questions than speaking. Um, but yeah, you can reach out to me. My, um, my email is jim at parksidechurch.cc. Crazy cool, cc. All right. Well, thanks again. Hey, thank you, Ralph. Yeah, have a great day. Thank you.